evening. Not too loud. <laughs> Great. I don't know, you guys all adjusted, I know. Um, yeah, just to, it's a privilege to be here and a joy. You know, we've um, been just so blessed by your church and by the teams that have come over. I think Tim mentioned uh, we've now had three teams come over. And uh, you guys are the best team we've had. Um, so we have, uh, we have not too many, but yeah, you're the best. So. <laughs> no, but we, we always know when, you get, when they come over, you know, they're going to serve. You know, they're not going to, you know, insist on, well, we want to do it this way or we're looking for this. But what do you guys need help with? And I, I love that. You know, that's such a, an example and a blessing to us. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, about Indiana. <laughs> I was on the flight over and I met a lady and she was actually from Ukraine. Um, and she's been living in Pennsylvania for several years. She married an American here. It had a really great conversation. Um, and she's from Indiana, Pennsylvania. So uh, that's when I found out, oh, there's another Indiana. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know about that. But uh, okay, so I'm going to just um, want to start first with, the, with the, a study. And then we're going to talk more about our ministry after that. Um, and oh, there we go. Good. So um, I just want to share a bit about you know, God's mission because you know, we're, we're missionaries. Uh, my family and I, we've had the blessing of being on the mission field, as you would say, uh, since 1992. And that's when my parents went over. And I'll start off by saying this, that one of the things I didn't want to be growing up was a missionary. <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy, but not that I didn't like missionaries. I thought they were great, but I thought, those are, you know, that's, they're special people. That's for them. That's kind of their thing, their jam. Um, that's not really my jam. Yeah, that's what I thought. You know, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I just want to be a normal Christian, whatever that is. You know, so uh, I was 16 at the time we moved, and um, I already had my, you know, I just started dating. Um, I, I just got in a car, which is really important for a farm boy. And then I, I could go see civilization, go to the city, hang out with friends. And so my dad helped me and my twin sister get a car, and so we were really excited about that. And then he tells us, uh, well, you know, Mom and I are praying about going to, you know, Russia or wherever that would be over there. We didn't really know about Ukraine that much. Um, and he said, I want you guys to pray about it. And so I was like, ah, Ukraine or Russia? I mean, you know, I'm already planning college. I'm thinking I'm going to go to Purdue. I'm going to be an engineer, get a good job, settle down, and build a family. Um, and this didn't fit my plans. But Dad said, we want to go commit to a year. So I was, okay, a year. I can handle a year, and then I can come back. I'll come back to the States, and I'll get on with my life. Well, that didn't happen, as you can, as you already know. Um, and it, we went over there. We didn't know Russian or Ukrainian. Um, so we, I think they'd had a few, I know my mom and my sisters were trying to study it. But we get there, we're just, off, you know, just from the States. And uh, things are kind of chaotic because the Soviet Union had just collapsed. So um, it might be hard to imagine for you, but I mean, it was kind of chaotic. It was a new country. You know, um, not that Ukraine is new, but I mean, it was newly, now it's independent. And they're trying to find their way, find their, uh, um, reestablish, you could say, their identity. And, you know, there's hyperinflation. The mafia was just getting started there. <laughs> you know, just crazy times. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, there wasn't, yeah, I could go on and on. But, um, and so I, I just experienced extreme culture shock. So I was counting the days when you'd be going back to America. Um, but at the same time, God was slowly starting to work on my heart. Um, I began, you know, I was really depressed. <laughs> uh, but God began to get me outside of myself. 
and begin to show me there's, I'm doing things all over the world. You know, I, I can only imagine what was going on here. And I thought that was it. But then being there and seeing now these young people, you know, were, before it was forbidden to study the Bible, it was forbidden to talk about religion. You know, it was all, you know, the atheism was pushed. And now these young people are hungry. They're hungry for, for God, um, for spiritual things. And I began to see these young people, you know, coming every night of the week. We were having Bible studies every night of the week in a different school, showing the Jesus movie. And, and they, were, they were getting excited. And slowly I began to see this is a privilege to be. It's a privilege to be a witness to what God is doing in these people's lives. And uh, you know, I've never seen that before. So um, I, I began to see I'm privileged to be here. After maybe a half year, I was like, I don't want to go back to America. <laughs> you know, and and I didn't. So uh, been there for was in Ukraine for 30 years, and now in Hungary for um, almost two years. Um, and I don't consider it um, a sacrifice. I mean, not that it's not not that it's easy. There's many challenges, especially with the war. Um, but I consider it a privilege and honor to be part of what God is doing in, in, in that part of the world. Um, and also I've come to see that wherever you are, we have that privilege. Even here in Pennsylvania, you have the honor of being part of what God is doing. God is working all around us. And uh, for me, it's about finding where is that? What is God doing? How can I join him? And it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what profession I have. Um, you know, God is at work, and um, I've, and I've you know I've been a little bit been here for a bit and seen um, some of you, you know, and and what you guys are involved in. That's incredible. Um, so, um, so I just want to briefly, you know, because honestly, I want to leave some time so we can uh, share about a little bit about the ministry there and to have some questions and answers. But uh, um, I want to do a quick overview of, of, of the Bible. <laughs> In one time, to show, to establish the fact that, um, you know, we are in mission with God. We have the honor to, to do that. So, what are we saved for? Because sometimes we think of salvation like, okay, we're saved. What next? You know, do we, is it just, are we just waiting around until we get to go to heaven? Um, no, I think there's much more to that. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, so, what in the world is God doing? Okay, next slide. Or next, you can start going the, down the points and all. You know, is Christianity merely taking care of my afterlife? You know, merely just giving me like a you know insurance, you know, so I don't go to hell. Next, uh, what is the purpose of my life right now? Uh, what about? Uh, I usually do give this this message on Sundays. What about the other 166 hours? You know, we spend two hours in church usually. You know, if you're, um, and that's actually a lot for many Americans, right? Two hours in church a week. Uh, what about the other 166 hours? Is that mine? Uh, what does does God care about my job? What I do with my, you know, my, at my workplace? Do I have to go to Africa, or go to Ukraine, or go to Hungary to serve God? And the answer is found in the story, the story. And what I mean by the story is the Bible, you know, the greatest story ever told. So let's go to the next slide. A little bit of comic relief here. Uh, who know, who knows what the far side is? Okay, yeah. Uh, welcome to heaven, here's your harp. Welcome to hell, here's your accordion. I love that. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of funny, but just it does, it does kind of uh, shed light on a misconception that we often have, right? So we're going to go to heaven and play harps. Does that sound very interesting to you? Oh, okay, well, yeah, some people. Some weird people like Mike. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, actually, harp is pretty amazing. But just that, I mean, you know. 
I, uh, and, and for different people, right? We all have different gifts, different um, talents we have, and different passions. Well, I, I, um, well we're going to see that there's more to heaven and more to Christianity than that. It's, uh, you know, I think it's the most exciting thing you could ever be part of. Okay, next slide. Um, so if you look at the Bible, you can divide it into four parts. There's like any good story, which I th- actually I think any good story is a good story because it mirrors this story. You know, you have like in, in each story, you have like the, the setting, you know, the creation, and you know, God created this incredible world for to live with, with humans. But something went wrong. We have a tension to the story. There's the fall. You know, humans say, no, we want to be autonomous. Next, we have the um, resolution to the story. You know, we have this tension going all throughout the scripture and then the, the solution. God gives his own son. He takes upon himself um, all the consequences for humans' sin. Then you have the, re- uh, is that called the resolution. I can't remember the terms in literature, but then you have new creation, you know, the happy ending, right? What, what happens now after that? And that, that's, we're going to see that that's, that's about God making everything new, bringing things full circle. Okay, let's go on to the next slide. Um, so creation. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change these. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I'm going to have to go quicker than I usually do. So I'm probably going to just summarize these passages of Scripture. I'm going to tell the story. So you know this part probably in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. God creates this incredible world. You know, um, and then God comes to the creation of humans. And he says, let us, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and he will have dominion over all the beasts, you know, all the um, animals, over all the plants. And so he created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth. Manage it, right? Subdue it. Have dominion over it. And, of course, as Markies, we're trying to do the best we can. We're trying to fill the earth, right? <laughs> My mom has 40, 41 grandchildren. So, anyway, we're doing our part. So, um, And, you know, so, so we, we see from the very beginning, you know, God has uh, created man uh, in a special way. He, he is created in his image. And we could talk a lot about that. What does it mean to be created in God's image? It's amazing. Um, but one thing I want to point out is, um, you know, uh, w- what it means is it it's, it's indicates what kind of relationship we have with them. You know, I have six boys, and they bear my and my wife's image. So the fact that they bear our image speaks to the fact that we're related. They're our children. We're created in God's image. That speaks to the fact that we are his children. Now, I'm going to get, say something maybe a little bit controversial. And John's smiling back there. <laughs> um, I believe that we're all his, we're, we were all created as his children. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't, I, that doesn't mean that everybody is redeemed. But I do believe that each person bears God's image, which speaks to the fact that he is our father. Now, there are our children who have been reconciled to God. You know, we read about the adoption. You know, we've, we have a special, a special relationship. But there are others who are estranged children. They haven't, they haven't been reconciled with their father. You think about the um, parable of the prodigal son. 
the prodigal son never stopped being the son, but he was he did run away from his father. You know, and he was later on he came back and his father restored him to fellowship, restored him you know, to the to the position of sonship, right? Where he can enjoy those privileges and that relationship. And you can look at Acts 17 just to kind of give you another <laughs> proof text. Um, where uh, the next slide, yeah. Uh, Paul tells he's, when he's giving his, if you remember the story in Athens, he gives his sermon and he says that you, and he's talking about these pagans who are worshiping other gods, you are his offspring, you're his children, right? So he's pointing and he's, and he's making a point. You're his children, so you should act like that. You should come back, you should be restored to that relationship with the Father. Okay, so let's go on to the next passage. Um, well, so we're his children. Before we go into this, what, is it, what does that mean? I'm not just, this is not just some kind of theological point. Um, you know, if, if we're his children, that makes we're all brothers and sisters. In one, in one sense, too, we're, we're related because we're all distant cousins, right, to Adam and Eve. We're all, we're all related to Adam and Eve, is that correct? Yeah. So what, what, what would that change for you if you knew that your neighbor, that person you're in the grocery store with, the refugees, whether it be Ukrainians, Syrians, maybe that are nearby or in other countries or maybe those involved in a war, those, what, if, what would it change for you if you saw them as brothers and sisters? That means that what's going on with their, in their life, I'm, you know, I have some part in that. I can, I can play some part in it. I have some responsibility. Um, yeah, so I think treating, that, that's, that's kind of what we, we've been trying to do is, as we're in Hungary, these are not just some people, some statistics. These are brothers and sisters. So that means their fate, what's going on with them, it matters to me. Okay, there's God's children, right? So they have a dignity. They have, I have some, I have some responsibility for them. Um, and that, that, that uh, goes for people around you at your job. What, what would change for you? Just think about that. Those people that you see, if, they, if, you, knew, if you treated them as brothers and sisters. Okay. All right, next, let's go to this passage here. So now in this story, um, God breathes life into Adam. He uh, puts him in this wonderful garden and, and it also creates Eve. And it says here that uh, he gave him all these trees and there's, they're beautiful. They're, they're um, delicious. You know, I, I just love the fact that God didn't just uh, create something monotonous, or it, it, He created beauty, right? He He put a lot of effort into that. He didn't have to, right? But you know, He wanted it to be beautiful. He wanted it to be delicious, you know. And um, and then, but also, there's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil too. He's giving them a choice. Let's go to the next the next uh, slide. And further on, it says He put them in the garden to work it and keep it. Um, and those two words in the Hebrew, they're found elsewhere. The next time they're found is, it, is when God is giving commands to the priest. The priest was to keep and to guard the temple. And nowhere else in Scripture, in the Old Testament, does it use those two words together. So what, what, is, what it's saying here then is they're, they're, in a, they're in a temple. They're actually worshiping God by keeping the garden. You know, and by doing this, this work, uh, and, and the Bible is unique in that way. Uh, work is good. 
Uh, many times we're thinking, well, you know, work is bad. Like I have to go to work, right? I have to go to work. And then I can get home and actually, you know, have some downtime or uh, we have work and vacation, right? Work's bad, vacation's good. <laughs> but, and, but work was created good. God created us to, and I'm sure you have, have experienced that, right? When you're doing something that you love and it's a lot, maybe it's a lot of hard work, but you know, it feels good. You're getting something done. You're doing something useful. And um, so before sin, that's what work was like. And through work, we worship. Right? We're taking God's, what are they doing? They're taking God's good creation. God has entrusted it to them to manage it, to harness it, you know, to take it and make it better. Um, and that's the way to worship God because, you, you go, because they're glorifying God by saying, you know, taking what he's given that is good and making it and displaying it to the world. And, may, and creating good things for each other, for the world. And that, that's what worship is, right? It's, it's glorifying God. It's saying, showing how great He is. It's being those image bearers, like we just talked about, reflecting back to the world what God is like. You know, his, his goodness, His love, His grace, His love for, uh, for others. And so whatever you do, whatever your profession you have, um, you can glorify God. You have that privilege of doing that. Um, and... Uh, that and so I mean right away I think it expands. So w- what is worship? What is ministry? Because we often think ministry happens here, right? So if uh, so if you're not preaching or you're not doing worship or not in the Sunday school, well you're not in ministry. No, that's not the case. Um, ministry is much bigger than that, right? They're in a garden, they're farming, and they're worshiping God. So that 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 tells me I mean doing business, teaching in a school, watching the kids at home. Uh, as Paul said, do everything unto the Lord, right? Do everything in word or deed as unto him. And so there's, we can worship him in the way we do our, go about our, our work, uh, our tasks. Um, and, and that's what we, that's the privilege we have. And that's what we're called to do. Okay. Let's go on to, um, just give these points really quickly. Um, so God's image, we are his children and created to reflect his beauty and goodness. We are family. We are co-rulers to bring about flourishing, or as some people put it, shalom, that Hebrew word, to bring about that in the world. Um, all of life is worship. All of it matters. All, everything we do matters. And so there's a question there. You know, how, how would that, that idea of being a co-ruler with God and to bring about flourishing in the earth change how you view your mission in life? Um, you know, I just want to give one example. There's a girl on our team. We were planning a church in Kiev before the invasion, and she and her husband are um, serving um, are serving at university. He's the director of university in Ukraine. And when we were planning the church, she was kind of going through this rough spot, going through depression, kind of trying to find her way, and um, just a lot of things she was dealing with. She grew up without parents, um, and. She just felt like there's, there needed to be some kind of change in her life. And, and one of the passions she had is uh, uh, taking care of curly hair. <laughs> and she loved helping others take care of their curly hair. She has, like, an Instagram page. And she just really felt good about helping people because oftentimes, you know, it, there's a discrimination. <laughs> you know, everything's for straight-haired people. So she, um, uh, and her dream was to, she kind of thought it was silly but at first, but, you know, to start a salon for curly-haired people. There's not very many out there. I didn't know that, by the way. But... Um, and so she, she was going to, she was thinking about taking lessons, but then she had these doubts and, 
And as a church, you know, as our team, we just said, hey, go for it. We'll help you out. We'll even help you with the lessons. And so she did that. Um, long story short, she went through, it was pretty rough, but she got through, um, you know, internship. And then she started her own, started her own um, business in this uh, downtown district of Kia, which is probably the most expensive place. Within a month, she breaks even. Next month, she's already making money, and she has like a two- or three-month waiting list. Um, and what was going on with them was, well, she was enjoying it because she loved just doing that. She loved, like, making beauty, helping people feel beautiful. Um, and these ladies would come out, and for them, all, many of them, was just a wait time where they could just relax. You know, maybe they, had, they were moms. One lady had a special needs child, and so she and, and this child was very high, you know, extreme um, Problems, and so uh, she was with them 24/7. So she said, I, "I just come here just to get out, get away, just to relax." And, and of course, what do you do for two or three hours? Whether do, you know somebody's doing your hair, well, you usually talk, right, and share stories. And so these ladies were just telling her their stories, their life stories. This lady also, and um, she ended up actually going and visiting her and her, and her child, and just praying with them. So I mean, she was a missionary in that sense, right? She's, these ladies are coming, they're sharing, and she's you know just has this heart for people. And she's making all these different connections. You know, one lady, she brought the Bible study. And I mean, this stuff probably is not new to you, right? You, it, I've seen this happen in this church. And so she was, she was taking this seriously. Like, this is my calling, you know, and I'm going to use it for God. And so she was making connections we can never make. People who would maybe never come to church, she was connecting with them and, and just showing them the love and compassion of God. So just an example, right? So, I mean, ministry is anywhere. You know, as long as, as we treat it that way, as we look at it that way. Um, and, you know, like I've heard this said before, like pastors need to remember that being a pastor is a job, right? And those who are working need to see that they're also in ministry, right? So we're all doing the same thing. We just have different roles and different uh, um, responsibilities. Okay, so I, I don't want to... Uh, let's go on to the next one. The fall, uh, what, what went wrong? So, we have this, so everything's great. So what goes wrong? I think everybody in the world, right, knows there's, not, there's something wrong with this world. I don't know who in this room would say everything's great on this planet Earth. Things are just awesome. No, <laughs> right? And you go anywhere. People who are in church, not in church, believe in God, don't believe in God. I think pretty much it's universal, right, that things are not ideal. We need to... <laughs> fix things. Now, there's a different idea as why things are broken. And I believe, you know, the Bible has the best explanation. And I think it really resonates with us. It really makes sense when we look at it. So what happens here? The serpent. Who's that serpent? You know, he just kind of appears on the screen, the, the, screen, the scene. Um, well, you find out later it's, it's Satan. You know, it's the, the enemy of God, the sworn enemy of God. And we find out earlier that there was a, this battle um, or this, this falling out where Satan created to be this beautiful um, angel or cherubim. Um, he wants to be God. He wants to be in the place of God. He wants control of everything. So he's kicked out and takes a third of the angels with him. So, I mean, there's this... So when humans are created, they're kind of created in a, in a, in a war zone. Right? There's a war going on. And God creates these humans to be part, to be on his side. You know, it's, they, they get to be part of what's going on in this, this cosmic battle. Uh, that, that's my opinion. I think that's what the Bible teaches. You know, there's something, you know, we're, we're born, we're come into this thing that's going on. And so, of course, Satan sees, aha, uh-huh, these are his humans. These are, these are his children. I can get at God by getting at them. I can get them on my side. 
So he comes to Eve, and of course he asks the question, you know, did God tell you not to eat from any of these trees? You know, kind of plant those doubts of, you know, is God really good? I mean, he's, you know, he's point, pointing to the, to the things that God has said not to do. And she says, no, no, God lets us eat from any of the trees, but just we're not supposed to eat from that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and we're not even supposed to touch it. We don't read that God said that. Um, and then let's go to the next slide. Uh, and the serpent said, huh, you won't die, come on. Because God actually knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you'll be like him, knowing what is good and evil. And uh, and the woman looks and sees, says that the tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. And just later, later on, you can go look back over that. Those same words were used about every tree. You know, God said that. Remember it said that God created the, tree, the trees good for food and a delight to the eyes. So in my opinion, this tree didn't look any different. That, that's my opinion. Um, and it was it was desired to make one wise. And, and one more thing, did you notice that Satan says, if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like God. Now, wait a second. Weren't they already like God? They were created in his image. Yeah. Nothing new here. Satan's a great, great at marketing, right? Selling you something you already have. <laughs> They had it all, but he said, "You know that he's what he's doing. He's planting doubts. Like, do you really trust God? Is he really good? I, I think he's holding back something from you guys. You can get something more, even though they had everything. I mean, can you imagine living in that garden, being able to eat from any tree? You know, there's there's no pain. I mean, all the work is just it's great. It's rewarding. It's and but there's something more." And so she looks, it's, it's, huh, it can make me wise. I can be the master of my own fate. And so she took of the fruit, she ate it, she gave it to her husband who was with her. And of course, let's go on to the next part. Um, their eyes were opened, but not for the good, right? They saw they were naked. They were naked before. And the nakedness is not about necessarily just being without clothes. It's, it speaks about openness. It speaks about, um, there was, they, you know, there was, Nothing that stood between them, between humans, between humans and God. You know, there's complete openness. You didn't have to have any secrets. You didn't have to worry about somebody taking what you told them and using it against you or breaking your trust. I mean, it was just this complete openness. Um, and now they're naked. Now there's a separation that enters in. They clothe themselves. They're hiding from God. And as, and as we look down, you know, God comes, you know, and they're hiding. He comes to walk with them. He comes to have the, his you know, daily time with them. And they're hiding. And so the Lord calls to the humans and said, so where are you? Do well, you think God knew where they were? <laughs> no, of course he did. You know, I mean, if you have children, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where they, the kids think they're hiding, you know? I, actually, I thought when I was a kid, if I closed my eyes, my, my parents wouldn't see me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny when they try to hide. Uh, so they're, they're hiding, you know, they have these clothes on, it's like, Hiding from God? Or come on. And but, he, but God asked that question, where are you? I think he's asking, where, where are you? Look at yourselves. Where are you? Um, and they said, well, we heard you, the sound of you in the garden. We were, and, well, Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And you know, next slide. And God said, well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit by any chance? 
And you're, you're hoping, okay, Adam, just say yes, you did. No, he doesn't, right? What does he say? Well, it was actually Eve. I mean, she gave me the fruit. But wait a second. You, you, Eve, you gave me Eve. So who's at fault? Well, God's at fault, right? Because God gave him some faulty woman. He led him astray, poor guy. Then the woman says, it was a serpent that, did, that, told, that made me do it. You know, the devil made me do it. Okay, next slide. So, again, we're going to go quick, quickly here, but God's, God's enemy causes humans to doubt God's goodness. Um, and humans then reject God's rule, his good rule, and they choose autonomy. So the result is broken relationship with God, each other, and creation. So, yeah, if someone would ask you what was wrong with the world, what would you tell them? Right? So what, what is wrong here? First of all, they doubt God's goodness. And secondly, they they want to determine what's good and evil. Now, that seems kind of innocent, maybe, but think about it. That's what's wrong with the world, right? Everybody chooses what's good and what's wrong for themselves. But what's going on in Ukraine right now, certain people <laughs> think this is what needs to happen. You know, that's what's good for them. Of course, bad for Ukrainians. So everybody determines what is good and evil. There's no longer a standard. There's no, no, no we don't, um, humans no longer trust God to determine that for them. It's handling something that they can't really handle. We can't handle that. But that's, that's why God handles it for us. The, determine what is good and evil. That's actually a blessing to know that. To have somebody tell you. Because we, 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 if you look at the world right now, we've done, I think, a pretty bad job determining what is good and evil. Okay, next slide. Um, Redemption. What is the answer? You know, and actually, it's in this passage. You look, um, God pronounces what's the curses, what's you know what's going to happen now because of what they did. And now, but He says, "I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." It's talking about you know Satan's offspring and the woman's offspring, children. And so, what He's saying is, there's going to there's coming a there's going to become uh, someone's going to come, a human, and he's going to bruise the serpent's head, and the serpent's going to bruise his heel. Um, well, if you can imagine the image, right? Somebody crushing a serpent, and the serpent then biting that person's heel. What happens when you get bit by a venomous snake? Right? You die, right? So somebody's going to come. He's going to defeat that the enemy of mankind, but at the price of his own life. This is, this is in verse 15. This is in chapter 3. Isn't that amazing? Right? God is saying, he's, they, they've, been, they've sinned. Did you ever hear, did you hear a confession? No. No confession. And God is saying, okay, I'm going to take care of this problem. I'm going to destroy that enemy that, that's deceived you. But that person is going to pay for it with their own life. Humans will not. I mean, you won't, but I, I, this person will take upon himself that. And so that's what, um, and the rest of the Bible is talking about that. You know, there's, there's promises, but also we're seeing all the sinfulness of man as well. You know, constantly seeing God pursuing man, man running away, you know, or betraying God. But God always faithfully saying, I'm going to fix this problem. It's going to, it's going to happen. Okay, go on to the next slide. Um, which end? I'm trying to help this in there. Okay, I'm going to just do quickly. So, Salvation, right? Salvation comes when we... Salvation from ourselves, from all these consequences of sin. 
is when we just trust God because he's now made provision in Jesus. Jesus is that, was that offspring. He defeated Satan at the price of his own life. And this, it's, a, it's a gift of God. And now we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Um, and so his plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in heaven and in earth. So he's come now. Remember, there's the division, right? There's people that are hiding. Um, well, it, Jesus' plan now is to take care of this sin problem, to take upon himself all the consequences of our sin and bring us back to him and bring us back together. So let's go on to the next slide. Um, and again, I'm just going to try really quickly to do this, but because sometimes we think of, again, that um, the solution to the problem is just to say a prayer, go to heaven, right? No, much more than that. It's, God is, is now restoring us. Like we've been saved. If you've, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you know, you're now in his family, uh, fully in his family. You've been reconciled to him. But you know that's not the end, right? God is now working in your life. He's restoring you. And it's a process. But not, it's not only personally, but corporately, right? Remember Adam and Eve, they've been, they were separated. Society is, is broken down. Well, God is now restoring the, the relationship with him and with each other. And how does that happen? Through the church. The church is God's community, God's restored community. And if you look at Acts 2, when Peter preaches that sermon and calls on them to uh, repent from their sin and be baptized, what happens next? You know, it's not just, okay, now you're going to go to heaven, so just kind of chill. No, he says, what happens? They, they get together. There's now this restored relationship. They're, of course, recognizing God's rule. They're studying scripture. What, what is right and wrong? They're breaking bread together. They're eating together. Um, you know, and praying. So there's that relationship with God. And uh, also, I really, uh, if you notice in this, pa this passage, the thing that's mentioned most three times is eating. Can you guess that? <laughs> I love eating. And I think eating is, it's, what were they doing in the garden, right? They were eating, eating from the trees and it's just part of how God has made us. And as we eat, there's just, just a special fellowship that goes on, to, goes on, doesn't it? You know, we can be, um, you know, when you, maybe you invite somebody over to have a meal, you sit down, all of a sudden there's conversation, right? You're eating and there's, there's this, we get, it draws us together. Um, and then they're selling their possessions. So they're treating each other like family, like I said, really treating like family. And these, 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 are, these are people from all different countries, but they're living like family. And, you know, that was, this is one of the things that when, when we moved to Kiev, or started a church in Kiev, we were trying to reach the um, secular crowd, people who would never go to church. We were just going to them. And what we did was we formed a Ukrainian team, uh, uh, Christians, and we, our goal was to reach out to different people and, and to start inviting them in, having meals with them. And, uh, of course, we were doing Bible study. And, uh, but what we, we wanted them to see was this community, this family. Um, and it, it, it was rough at the beginning, and I'm sure you guys know about that, right? Um, what is it? The best thing about ministry is people, and the worst thing about ministry is people. <laughs> people bring problems, right? We bring problems. When we get a bunch of people together, it's great, but on the other hand, there's, there's conflict, and especially as you get closer to, you get to, to each other, as you actually start getting in each other's lives. And you, you know, then you, you have all this friction. So, um, but, it, but when we do that, there's a closeness, and um, I just remember people coming in 
that we invite. And, and, you know, they were maybe far from God, but they would come in and just say, hey, you guys are, you're like family. You know, they, they hadn't seen that where you know, we're ready to give up. You know, we're, we're taking care of each other. We treat, us like, treat each other like brothers and sisters. And I see that in you guys too. And, and I, think, I think it's one of the greatest testimonies to the people in the world is how we treat each other. And we're not perfect, but we, but that's what we strive to be. We strive to love each other. And we have fights, we have conflicts, but we work through them, right? And Jesus said, you, the world will know you're my disciples by how right your theology is, right? No? <laughs> by how you love each other. Now, theology is important, but how you treat each other. Are you treating each other like brothers and sisters, right? Because I think that's what people want, but they don't, they don't see it in the world, right? We want, we want that to be belong. We want to um, be, in a, be in a community where people are giving and treating each other like family. But that doesn't happen usually. And, but that's what, I think that's what the church is. By definition, the church is a community. It's a family, primarily. And uh, it's something that people so desperately crave. And that's what we're seeing, too, with, with the Ukrainians, too, the tr- refugees, as you know, as we got to Hungary, that was one of the things we just saw that man, people are just in community. There's all these women and children, moms and their kids, dads are back home. What do they need? Well, they need family. They need adoptive dads, adoptive brothers. You know that will treat them like family. And I just say, oh, come, come on Sunday, and we'll sit for a couple hours, and you go get on with your lives. You know, somebody's going to be involved in their lives and say, hey, let me take your kids out skating. Let me. Um, come over for a meal. You know, how are you guys, you guys? You guys figure out school? Did you? And um, you know, somebody that's going to be really involved in, in their life. And I'm not, I see that happening here. It's, it's great. It's so so wonderful. That the church is not just a two hour event. It's a it's a way of life, right? It's a twenty four seven thing. Um, and, and, and church, by definition, is is not an event. It's people, right? That's what the church is. The ecclesia. So okay, I'm going to try to wrap this up. Let's go on the next one. Um, so through Jesus, God is restoring us through the church. He is restoring the world to his original design. The kingdom is already here, right? God's kingdom, it's in our hearts, but not yet. There's that coming time that we point to when God is going to restore everything. And I think that's just so unique to Christianity. Nobody else can say that. We can say once, once the world was as it should have been, and there's coming a time when the world is going to be as it should be, right? We have that hope. It's definite. It's not... Well, I hope we can work, find, you know, figure out this world peace thing. Or, you know, it's going to happen because Jesus is going to come back. He's going to establish it. Okay, next. Um, yeah. Anyway, think about that. <laughs> and the final thing, I just want to just really quickly, um, new creation, what we were saved for. You know, we go back. Now we get to the last couple chapters of the Bible, and it talks about God restoring everything, this new heaven, this new earth. And... Um, you know, there's going to be no more death, no more tears, no more pain. Isn't that, I just love this picture. Um, and the, the best part about it is it's going to happen. Can you imagine that right now? Can you just imagine right now what's going to be like? No more sin, no more war. And, we, we're get, and, and God is going to be king. And we're just going to have uh, uh, restored relationships. No more hiding. Uh, no more conflicts. And, uh, you know, look at you guys. And you're my brothers and sisters. And I would love to know your stories. There's hundreds of stories here but I don't have time. I'm leaving tomorrow for Denver. And uh, I get to tell my story. So, But I can imagine when that, this happens, I'm going to see somebody else. Hey, sister, I want to hear 
your story. We have all the time in the world. <laughs> Let's sit down and talk, right? Um, so I think this, for me, it just kind of, um, as we look forward, it's a hope that anchors because this is what I want to see. This is what's going to happen, so I want to give people a glimpse of this right now you know, by treating people like family. You know, and that's, I think that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to represent the kingdom, give people a taste of what that's like so that they want to join us they want to give their life to Jesus. So next part, we're just about done here. So God, humanity, creation will once again be in harmony. We will continue where we left off, partnering with God and each other to promote flourishing. And I like, I like to daydream about that. Cause I'm, I love, there's other things, you know, besides you know, pastoring, I love math. <laughs> I love uh, programming. I love uh, basketball. And I believe all those things, we'll be using all of our talents and passions. Once again, we're going to pick up where um, Adam and Eve left off, right? Glorifying God with the talents that he gives us. Okay, that's about it. We will not go to heaven, but rather live on a renewed earth with, with God's heaven coming down to us. You can chew on that one. I, I know there's some. Uh, but it does say the Bible, so we're going to be on a new earth, right? Heaven's going to come down, which is so heaven is God's realm, earth our realm. That means that, once again, God is going to dwell among us. That's what it means. Okay. Um, and, um, and that's what God's dream is for us, is to be, once again, dwell with his people and uh, for, the, for us to be in harmony with each other and just to glorify him. Okay, so that's about it. Um, yeah. So the Christian life is not about being saved and going to heaven. It is about partnering with God to bring heaven back to earth. Not that we can do it in ourselves. It's going to happen when Jesus comes. But again, it's, it's, it's about being God's image bearers, right? Showing people what, what he is like and what he wants. Okay, makes sense? What excites you most about the new heaven and the earth? Look at that. Okay, so I don't know if I was... All right, good? All right. So now I'm going to do a little bit of presentation of, on what we're doing in um, Hungary and Ukraine. You guys will be able to have some chance to ask some questions. Um, go back to the beginning of the presentation. Well, after all that good stuff, I'm <laughs> um, just going to show a little bit about the war, so about the brokenness. All right, let's go ahead and show it. And it was what many expected, but none hoped would happen. Breaking news tonight, Russia launching a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Late last night, a full-scale attack from all angles made this nightmare a reality. There are reports of explosions and attacks at several major Ukrainian cities. The world watched in horror as the Russian army invaded neighboring Ukraine. Shelling of civilian targets, uh, especially in the east and the south, continues to get worse. Our town was destroyed, our town was bombed and shelled, and there were military jets flying over our houses, and uh, lots of my neighbors died, unfortunately. Those who can escape have fled to nearby countries, more than two million so far. Okay, so that was just uh, from last year, beginning of last year. But uh, fighting is still going on. I think. Um, I know many, many. Um, 
I may have come across Americans because it's out of the news cycle that don't know it, but it's still going on. Uh, still bombings going on. There's, uh, thankfully, um, they're not, at the beginning they were surrounding Kiev and people, everybody was saying that they were going to take Kiev. They didn't. So now it's, the fighting is more in the east, but there's still many lives being lost and air raid sirens across the country still. Um, and uh, uh, let's go on to the next um Next clip. This is this clip was about now what we're doing. So it's more focused on our on the ministry to refugees in Hungary and Europe. the worst humanitarian crisis of the 21st century. One in four Ukrainians and half of all Ukrainians' children have fled their homes. Countries bordering Ukraine saw an enormous influx of refugees. This is Kaledi train station in downtown Budapest. Tens of thousands of Ukrainians arrived here during the early months of the war. Over 50,000 are still in Hungary, many living in crowded shelters like this one. They are trying to make it on meager wages until the fighting ends and they can take their children back home. But many have no home to return to and they are simply trying to survive while they live out the rest of their days in exile. Hi, my name is George Markey. I was a missionary in Ukraine for 30 years until the full-scale war. After the Russian invasion, my family and I evacuated to Hungary. There I formed a team of Ukrainians who had been displaced by the war when we started to minister to Ukrainian refugees all over Hungary. We call ourselves Bridgeway because we seek to be a bridge between war-affected Ukrainians and those with a desire and means to help them. We have a dream that no refugee would feel alone, but that each one would get to experience the love of Christ through his church. Our focus is starting discipleship communities among Ukrainians and inspiring local believers to come around these hurting people. We have a team of Ukrainian missionaries who share our vision. We have been pursuing this goal through regular deliveries of groceries and special projects like school supplies. We organize many community building activities in multiple cities. We do emotional health support groups. One thing we really love doing is serving the elderly. We are meeting felt needs and touching hearts by showing and speaking of the love of God. We have already laid the foundations for strong discipleship communities in multiple cities, and we trust that God will help us nurture them into flourishing fellowships. We are seeing great openness among the people we minister to. Truly, the harvest is ripe. We invite you to invest in the spiritual harvest. You can make a difference that will last for eternity. Click the link below this video or go to bridgeua.org to donate to our ministry. Thank you. Okay. All right, so um, go to the next slide. Uh, just a little bit of history. Too. So this is, hey, can you tell where I am? <laughs> That's me in the blue shirt. 
Um, that's when our first our family first moved to Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, I think that was taken sometime in like 1996. Um, we went over with eight kids. Uh, I, my sister and I, who's to the right of me, uh, we're twins, and we're the eldest oldest in the family. And uh, my dad there on the on the left. Um, we went. We moved there when my youngest was six months old. That's the youngest brother, right there. It's on the end. So. Um, Yeah, go to the next slide. This is my family. Six boys. Uh, this is in front of our apartment in Kiev. Um, even the dog's a boy. So, <laughs> so we, we loved our life in Kiev. And we were really happy there. And I had a wonderful team, like I was explaining. So it was, um, yeah, difficult. We all had to go different ways. Um, we still keep in touch, but you know, just re- you know, I, I know God it redeems things and He has a plan. But at the same time, you, you, you grieve those things, right? In life, we we, we really had it good. <laughs> um, so the next slide. Uh, but you know, God, and now that we're in Hungary, um, we've uh, earlier on we were doing a lot of evacuation aid, uh, but then we gradually shifted our focus more towards uh, refugees in, in in Hungary. But we also are involved in Ukraine, uh, or I am personally. I, I used to be the um, leader of the Calvary Chapel movement in Ukraine, but since we moved out, I passed it on to a Ukrainian guy who's doing a phenomenal job, much better than I could ever do. <laughs> but I do go back in and help um, and also bring in other pastors. And um, you know, one of our goal is to support what they're doing there. They're, they're doing a, an incredible job. Um, these are a couple pastors there. Uh, and let's go on the next slide. We recently had a conference, um, and you can you can read about this in the uh, Calvary Chapel uh, magazine. This uh, they did an article on this, and uh, I mean, represented here are just you know, amazing men with uh, just amazing stories. I wish I could talk tell you about all of them, uh, but uh, um, you know, there's people, there's guys ministering in the hospitals where soldiers are lost limbs and sharing the hope of Jesus are, are very difficult. You know, there's those that are closer to where the fighting is. You know, there's those, you know, where there's hundreds of refugees now, you know, thousands that have come into their cities and they're um, reaching out to them, giving them aid, um, playing with their kids, sharing the gospel. So it just, I'm so proud of them. And and we feel like our, it's our privilege to, to support them, you know, to give them encouragement. Um, Okay, next slide. And then we have our ministry in Hungary. So we do things like this where, uh, well, this is in a city uh, where we were bringing aid to Ukrainians in a McDonald's parking lot because we didn't have a building um, to bring it, you know, to meet with them. And one time we were bringing the Christmas presents, I think, with you and another church in, in Pittsburgh. Um, we helped donate to that. So we had all these gifts and we brought them to the parking lot, gave them to them. And I just, and we asked him, you know, can we pray for you? And they said, yes, please. So we prayed for him. And I noticed there was this one gal here on the, her name's Nadia. And she was just, I could tell she was like open or something. And I just started talking with her and said, explain what we were doing. We helping people physically, emotionally, spiritually. And she said, well, our greatest need is spiritual. You know, and I, and, and I said, well, would you guys want to meet? And so she said, yes. And so we got together the next time. We brought some uh, more aid, but then we went to this cafe, this mall, and just got them all coffee and 
and uh, dessert. Many of them hadn't been into a cafe since they got there, you know, and so they were just enjoying themselves. And we, it was, it was right before Christmas, so we started singing some Ukrainian Christmas carols, and some of them started jo- joining along. And then we just started talking about God, and they were sharing with me what God was doing in their lives. You know, I had no idea. God was already at work, and, you know, several, many of them had never been to church, but now they were praying. And so we got to just immediately had this opportunity to talk. And I shared about the Christmas story, what it was about. We talked some more. And, and I asked, would you guys want to do Bible study next week? I said, yes. <laughs> so we did. Now, unfortunately, here, many of them got laid off from, their, from the factory because they're dependent on work. And on these factories, you know, giving them jobs. So they had to, you know, had to, had to either go back to Ukraine or move to other cities. Uh, we, we keep in touch, but, um, you know, that's the kind of the challenge of ministry. You know, they're, 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 um, they're here today and they'll be gone tomorrow. So we really take it, um, you know, we want to use those opportunities we have, you know, and, and not just um, teach them, but uh, give them truth, but teach them how to discover those truths in Scripture for themselves and be able to share it with their children and those around them. So using just very simple methods. And, um, and, and you know, of course, what we'd love to see, what we're, we're striving to see is see churches and, like, these Christian communities forming in these cities and connect, hopefully connecting with local believers as well. And uh, we're seeing it happen. Um, I, wish, uh, I wish it was faster, but uh, anyway, so next slide. And this is uh, recently taken. We just got our a new apartment. You know, we're renting a different apartment. Um, we were staying in an apartment that we were very grateful for. It had two bedrooms and one bathroom, you know, and there's eight of us. So it was kind of small, but we were just happy to be somewhere, you know, at that point. And, we, and when you, um, you know, when you're a refugee, I mean, you know, we, you, you just kind of like, you don't want to change anything. You know, and, and we had moved around a lot. But God, just in his grace, he, um, through another friend, told us about this apartment. And uh, it had four bedrooms and two bathrooms. And we'd always, we had been dreaming about doing what we did in Kiev, just having people over all the time. And because we had a lot of, you know, Ukrainians that we were ministering to, and we just we wanted to have them over, but we, we were very limited in the, in the apartment we were in before. I think you guys were at our apartment, right? You saw it. So this is amazing. It's just huge. And we, we're now doing um, Sunday uh, uh, gatherings. And, um, and you know, people are coming over and enjoying themselves. As you can see here, you know, as many of us here, Ukrainian friends, food. Actually, that girl on the left, she's a Russian. She had fled because of the war. You know, she did, she, um, she actually tattooed Ukraine on her arm, which is kind of, if she ever went home, she'd be at very least put in prison. So I don't know, I don't know how she, what she's going to do, because anyway, but for now, she could be legally in Hungary. She's a PhD student, very fascinating girl, studying the, writing her thesis on the second temple. So, um, sorry. That's my, that's my Ukrainian sister. Kristen. She always does that. Ah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so, you can go on. Um, just want to, just this quick of this story. You guys know Sveta, right? The, the teens that went. So, Sveta, we got to know her in Budapest. She's from Mikolaev, which is a city. You know, the Russians almost took that city at the beginning. They, get, they entered the city, but the Ukrainians valiantly fought them off. Uh, but um, this family, of course, they realized immediately that there's danger. So for the father, 
So he got all, you know, immediately, once the fighting began, he took his kids and his wife and saw them off at the uh, Moldovan border. So they crossed into Moldova, ended up in Budapest. Of course, he couldn't cross because he's a man. All men in Ukraine up to the age of 65 cannot leave the country because they might be drafted. So um, unless you have uh, three dependent children or have a special needs child, uh, then you can leave and, go and come back. Um, but of course he couldn't, so, and uh, he didn't tell Svet to this, but he's, he was planning to enlist after he dropped them off because he knew if he told Sveta that he was going to enlist, she wouldn't leave the country. But he wanted her, his family to be safe so he could then go and defend his country. That's what he did. And they were, she was a new believer. She had been uh, attending a, an evangelical church for two years, just growing in her faith. Her kids were enjoying it too. Now, the dad, Ruslan, um, came every once in a while. <laughs> but he, it wasn't his thing. Um, but then when, the, when he went back to enlist, immediately he prayed to receive Jesus. And, uh, and so he, he became a commander, you know, and he, was, uh, um, uh, he had many people under him, and he would call Sveta and just share his, share his pain that almost all of his soldiers under him were, were killed. You know, um, then one day he got in a free car accident near the front and died. And um, at that point, Sveta was coming to one of our Bible studies in, in, in Budapest, and uh, just a wonderful lady. And you know, she was really growing. And when um, our team found out, when the group found out about it, we helped her get back to Ukraine to go to the funeral. And she and her two daughters. Um, and then. Uh, um, it was a South Pittsburgh team that was here when um, I, I, was, I went back to get them and Mukachu and right across the border and bring her back to Budapest. Mike, I think, was there, and there's others. I can't remember everybody who was here, but we um, took the six-hour drive across the border back to Budapest and just talked, right? And there, there was, they were, of course, going through incredible grief. Um, so you have to sit up front, and we talked a lot. Um, but she was... All, at the same time, she was very moved, and the girls were too. That this, this, these strangers, who were no longer strangers in Budapest to her, even this team, they were like family. They were actually closer to her than her physical family back in Ukraine, and, and uh, were taking care of her. And she said, "She said, I don't know what I would have done without you guys." And uh, and this is what we wanted. This is what we want to see, right? We want to see, like I was talking about, brothers and sisters becoming forming these communities where we treat each other like that, because we are that, living out that, that calling and, um, and, what, and you know, taking care of these people that, that you know, experience incredible loss. We're still, you know, there's still grief. Maybe as you know, there's always going to be that. These young girls are, um, you know, asking those questions like, why me? Why, my, why our dad? You know, what, why did God allow this? Um, they're growing up. You know, that's Vika right there. She's, I think, 18. I think 13 now, if I remember correctly. You know, going through, just trying to, um, yeah, figure out life without their dad. Um, but at the same time, with having this community, you know, they're, of course, they're coming to our, uh, Svetha and uh, Erika are coming to our Sunday gathering and just um, growing. Uh, Vika's in another city. But anyway, it's in a, I, I, I don't want to give all these stories. I don't have time for that. But just, it's it's about being there for them and, and helping foster and, and grow these communities where, and, and of course you think about it, it's so overwhelming. There's so many that have these needs. This is just one in tens of thousands of stories like it. 
Um, but uh, as Christians, we have that hope that we can offer. And, and it's what we want to see happen is that we Christians live out their calling and, and bring hope. Okay, next story. Um, this is in Kiev. So we, every Sunday we do soccer um, with the kids, and that's fun. Uh, the parents come. We started that because, um, well, one thing, we need it. <laughs> we, we want our kids to be able to interact with other Ukrainian kids and make friends. We want to be talk with other parents and encourage each other. Um, so we rent a soccer field every week and then do games like this and picnics and invite them over. And then we live right across this, which is amazing about our apartment. It's right across the street from here. We're even closer to, we, um, yeah, we're just really close to it. And we can just point people, hey, our apartment's over there. Come over anytime. And, uh, and that's, we love that. Um, all right, next. Yeah, and it's Sharon, that's my wife, talking to some mothers. Uh, next one, and just recent. This is the last story, and then we can have questions and answers. But this is a, a, a shelter for Ukrainians that South Pittsburgh was involved in from the very beginning. I think you guys went first trip, right? Because um, right away there was a need for just hands, just physical help. There's so many refugees that were flooding in, and this this one is uh, run by an NGO. Uh, well, I was actually uh, had had some funding from the government at first. Now it doesn't. But anyway, we, you know, you guys, of course, met many Ukrainians there and many um, just sharing their stories. And so we, we had kind of, kind of uh, lost touch with them. And I, kind of, I honestly thought they probably had done now, but I was, I brought back a couple moms and their kids because they, had, they were staying at a house that some Hungarians had graciously let them use. But now they were selling the house and they had to move out and didn't have the, fu- the funds to rent anything. So I moved them to this, helped them move their things and their kids to this shelter. And, um, real, and I, found, you know, I found out there's 120 Ukrainians here, 30 kids, and it's a 50-minute drive from our house. So we said, we're going to come back. You know, I, I, I talked to the, um, and asked about needs, and they said, yes, we have needs. It would be great if you could come and play with the kids. You know, we, we also have some you know, physical needs. So we brought back sheets and towels. And um, next, next slide. Um, Notice that there's some bites on people's legs, and what's going on? We told well, we got bed bugs, bed bugs, and we, we just our whole team were like, we got to take care of this. This is just can't be, and so we started raising funds. Maybe you were, you were part of that. If you were, thank you very much. Um, we raised all the fun, funds we needed, got rid of the bed bugs. It was the term exterminator. <laughs> it's a really nice guy, Hungarian guy, who gave us a great deal, and he was trying to help. You know, he tried to give us the lowest price he could. Um, next slide. And then um, I also want to show you this. So we, we had some money left over. So they, they had this table. Maybe you remember this table. Well, they didn't have a net anymore or any, any, any racket. So we bought with uh, the money we had. We got the net. We got some ping pong paddles. And this guy comes and says, you know, yeah, he wants to play. So he's like, he comes. And so he plays uh, first my teammate, Yaroslav, and beats him. And then he plays me, and you know, I win, but... <laughs> that, but he's good. He's really good. Can you guess? Well, go ahead and play the video, and then you can guess. Tell me how, how old he is. Yeah. So, yeah. How old is he? Do you think? 50, 60. 
80, yeah, you know, somebody knew that. Somebody get the answer right. 86. Did you know that? You really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, he's 86. He, he, and he's from Mikolaev. Oh, I'm sorry, Herson. Sorry, Herson, which was, ta- was um, under Russian occupation for a long time. And they, he and his wife were under that occupation. They were in the, in the city when Russians took over. When the Ukrainians freed, at least, you know, the part of that city, um, they moved to Budapest, he and his wife. And, but then, um, if you recall in the news, the Russians um, blew up the dam, so it flooded that whole region, and uh, it destroyed their home. He, he built, built their house with his own hands, he had all their possessions there, everything valuable, and it's all washed away. It's all gone. And, uh, and we were playing ping pong. I don't know if you could see it, but he has a smile. And it was just so, when I heard his story, it was even more precious. Like, wow, we could, we could bring a, a smile to this man's face who's gone through so much. And um, that brings tears to my eyes right now. But, uh, and just to think that he and his wife are probably going to live out their final days here in that, in that shelter. Um, and hopefully the shelter will still be around because, you know, there's, there's also been many times where um, the funding has been drying up. So, um, but uh, there's a couple on our team, Ukrainians, and they were saying, we got to take these, they were, they were talking more with the, the elderly and said, we got to take them to Budapest. They haven't seen Budapest. They've been moved to this shelter. And this is in Budapest, but it's kind of out there. They've never seen downtown. And so less last, last week, while, while I was here, um, they got, took our van and took them around Budapest. And you might, you might have seen that in the video. You can look at the video again. It's on our, I think it's on our Instagram page. But it shows them taking elderly around town. And that was them, these guys and some other ones. And they had a great time. And so we have the privilege of doing that for them. You know? And uh, we're, we're looking forward to just continuing this relationship. Every week we're going to be going there. And, uh, and we're also looking forward to the, to the conversations we'll have you know, and be able to share with them about Jesus, the hope. Because wouldn't it make it worth it? They've lost everything. Um, but to, for them to find Jesus, to find, to find that hope and to know that um, you know, there's going to come a time when Jesus will come back and there'll be, everything will be restored. You know? And so the, you know, this is temporary. We could tell them <laughs> it's bad, but um, it's going to be even better than they ever had it before. So thank you for all your prayers, for um, all the support you've given us. It's been just amazing. And you get to, you enable us to do what we do. Um, you know, this is your work too. You, you're um, part of it. We're partners. Amen. Well, thank you so, so much. Yeah. We appreciate you doing it. Hey, <clears throat> let, me, let me ask the question. Yeah. How many, how many churches is your the Lord use your family to build or plant in Ukraine? Ballpark. Oh, how many churches? Or yes, how many churches? Yeah, well, there, um, before the invasion, there's 17. Okay, so 17 churches all throughout Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have some other family members outside of yeah. Ukraine. Where are they? Okay. So they were in Kyrgyzstan. They started work there, then moved on. So um, I had a sister in Jordan, Amon right. Jordan. Right. Um, and what else? Uh, Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia. I have a brother. So, and then there had a brother in, in Siberia, up in right. the north, working with uh, um, ra- um, reindeers, reindeer herders. <laughs> Not reindeers, reindeer herders. <laughs> uh, you know, close to the North Pole. Because of the invasion, they had to, they had to, they had to leave. Now they're in Georgia. 
Here's, so. here's just what I wanted to point out to all of us. <laughs> here's a farmer and his wife in the <laughs> middle of Indiana. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, my goodness, got to be Billy Graham or Greg Laurie or somebody, you know. And, and they're great and wonderful. But these are just normal people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they listened <laughs> and they went. Yeah. And they just kept going. And I want you to catch, you know, when, when you're listening to him, uh, don't take this the wrong way. These aren't grand, glorious, mm -hmm. big gestures that are happening here. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not renting a 100,000-seat stadium and packing people in. What they're doing is they're going one person at a time, two people at a time, a community at a time. And they're doing great things uh, in the name of the Lord. And so I'm going to just tell you this one story. I went the first time. He wasn't there. I was so sad. <laughs> he was in America. <laughs> and uh, I got assigned. Nobody wanted to do this last job. Most of them went into the uh, um, shelters, and they did an amazing job. Our team did an amazing job in those shelters. They cleaned. They did the laundry. And people stay in touch still through that. But there's this one, 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 or last one-person job. Guess what it was? Work in a kindergarten. <laughs> and it's a kindergarten in Budapest, Hungary, but it's a Ukrainian kindergarten mm -hmm. that was put together by some ladies in the Ukrainian Association. So I set off over there on the Monday. These ladies who are running it look at me like I'm, you know, Frankenstein. Like, who is this? And through a long... Uh, series of events second day the walls come down and that's because my daughter made some earrings and i gave them earrings and then we were best friends and <laughs> and so it was a it was a it was a kindergarten for five days me i was a human jungle gym punched kids punching me uh you know but they they loved it because why there were no dads there it was all moms uh, so <laughs> this is the cool part about this story well, there's a lot of cool parts, but the second time we went, I didn't go, but the third time I went, uh, I took George over there, mm -hmm. and he met the ladies, and then his wife met the ladies, and now they're doing a weekly Bible study at the kindergarten, and yes, praise the Lord, and the ladies, anyway. So what I'm trying to say is uh, it doesn't have to be like some grand event. It's going to get people McDonald's when they haven't had it, <laughs> you know, in, in a year or, or whatever. It's smiling at people. It's loving people when they're hurting. But guess what it takes? Time and sacrifice. I mean, you got to go out of your way to do it or not out of your way, but you got to sacrifice time. And so I just wanted to encourage you. I mean, if you have any questions, you can certainly answer them or ask them of George. You might have some. <clears throat> but, and this isn't some sort of plea, but, I mean, you know, they're running this thing on a shoestring budget. <laughs> I mean, they have to have vans to get out to the city. They have to have fuel. They have to have, they have to pay these people some things. I mean, they can't just do it for free. They have to have housing and meals and all that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, if you're in, interested in giving to that, and we do give to them, and uh, if you're interested, we can, you know, we can give to them. So, or you can give to them too. And mm -hmm. uh, anyway, is there anybody that has a question for George? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is the greatest need for them right now? Well, you could, yeah. Can you put it on the, the last slide, or where it talks about the uh, um, you can be involved, or you can make a difference. Because it, it just can help a little bit, like answering your question a bit. But um, I mean, several things you can do. So pray, of course, and that's not. Anything. That's not small. That's important. And if you need more, and you can sign up for email updates. Um, I think on the website you can, or you can talk to me. Uh, we have a Facebook group. We have prayer updates for George and Sharon Markey. That's our family updates. And um, also read Sharon's blog. And I'm kind of yeah. shameless plug for her, but she's uh, she she writes really well. She's a writer, and she's going to be writing a book probably soon. Uh, she is actually. So, but she is. Her posts are amazing. It really gives you an inside view on life there with as a refugee, as serving refugees, you know, kids and all. Um, and that will help also. Um, Mommy Joys, it's called Mommy Joys. Uh, and you can come and serve like they did. So we do need we do need teams, especially now that we have this starting to um, help with this shelter again. We found out they have a second shelter in Dur, uh, where we also were ministering. We didn't know that, but. They told us, well, we have you know, shelter in Jura. I said, wow, we go there every week. And they said, well, they have an even greater need for food. So we, we took these um, rice and soy packets that we had from an American ministry um, here and brought them to them, brought them other things as well, and they were just so happy. There's 70 people in Jura living on the top floor of a, a dorm and, and uh, even more isolated. So they have kids. And we have a dream of, like, of uh, make, of um, putting in some um, playground equipment in both places because the, the kids don't have a lot to do and there's not much, much space. So Xander, yeah, Xander is all over that one. Yeah. Uh, Xander is looking, if you're a good builder and you're good with your hands, he's already identified you and is going to come talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, go Yeah, pray, pray for that just that we would know because there, there's a lot of regulations. Um, so we have to figure it out, like how would you actually do that correctly? And we're trying to ask people in I'm sure there's people that, you know, Budapest, Calvary will help. And, but we're still trying to nail that one down. Um, and then we'll raise money for it, bring, it, bring some teams over. Christmas is coming, so we would, um, I know we've just been slow on that. But, yeah, to, uh, we, we need some teams now before Christmas to come and help us put together presents. Uh, we're going to make trips. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, become, you can become a regular supporter. Uh, we're trying to. What we're trying to do is just have a, a base of support for the, for our team, so that you know we have that support all the time. Um, and you can go to our website for that. Drink our coffee is not. <laughs> so I, I have coffee that is uh, roasted by a friend of mine in Kiev. So he's he's Ukrainian. His family is in is in Holland because of the war, but um, he's back roasting the coffee, providing for his family, um, providing for his country. You know. Make creating jobs, and so we, we've um, 
we, we buy the coffee, we take it into Hungary, you know, sell it there, bring it here. We're still working on the shipping part here, which I, I think we'll figure out. Um, but if you want, you can also go to the website and sign up for that, and we'll be sending coffee to you guys probably. What else? Um, it's not on here, but, uh, well, coming and serve, we, we also want some longer-term missionaries, people that would come maybe for three months, six months, and it would help us um, in these cities to start these works because it's, um, you know, we go there at the most once a week, but that's hard to really start something and really do discipleship. Um, you know, we need somebody living there that's you know, meeting with them, visiting them, showing what you know, living for Christ looks like. Uh, as I answer your question, I don't know if there's anything else I'm missing. Well, okay, so he Go said ahead. here uh, that you heard uh, he just needs people to do what any Christian would do who sees somebody in need, and he needs help doing that. And uh, the harvest is, uh, you know, plentiful there, and uh, we've been there. And we've seen, and people are open. Uh, yes, I, I know, you know, Europe in a sense, and Agnes and Chaba have sort of taught us this, is sort of, you know, don't really want to talk about a lot of just normal people living their lives in Europe, don't, don't like to talk about that so much. But, man, the, the, the refugees, the displaced people are really ripe about it. But whatever. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Uh, I know it's a little late. Uh, you yeah. can come up and ask George uh, any question. Uh, so we'll have somebody downstairs. You can buy a T-shirt or whatever. But listen, if the Lord's putting it on your heart to go, I mean, I come talk to us about it, right? Uh, you heard what he said. Uh, every time they had, we ask him what's the biggest need is a team, really. Teams to keep coming. So uh, let's give George a hand and... Uh, <laughs> Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want you to know, too, where was George on Fe the, the day of the invasion? He was in Kiev, and uh, he had to get out. And it's an interesting story, and uh, you can ask him about that as well, too. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for our friend here and his family and, uh, you know, his life and uh, his family's life. And, uh, Lord, to have all those people be impacted for the gospel in Ukraine and all those areas uh, through a family. And, uh, I pray there's many families in this fellowship, Lord, that you would use and send. And Lord, I pray if you're putting in our people's hearts to make a team and go, that that would happen, that there would be regular support for their team so that they could gas up and go out to these cities and feed people and love on people in the name of Jesus. So we pray for and thank you for your providence and sovereignty and ask that you'd bless them all in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen.